Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. Today's Monday, October 5th, and we have a huge guest on the podcast, fresh off winning his second Corn Ferry Tour title. We got Jared Wolf back on the pod. How's it going, Jared? What's up? Give What's it up, up, guys? Give it up for Jared. We're back. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> I mean, it didn't take long from your first win till your second. Oh, I know, man. Well, thanks to everything that's been going on, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's been about three years since January right now. But uh, but yeah, man, t- two in one year, uh, pretty dang cool. Zach, what about five in the last four years? Five, yeah, five PGA Tour wins. I think you've won three on the PGA Tour Latino America. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, what's then, what's it like to just tearing apart the competition? Dude, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's it's wild. I mean, you go for you know for what I graduated two thousand ten, and we go all the way up until two thousand seventeen before anything really good happens, and then. And then, uh, and then, boom! It hits, and it's uh, it's been a wild ride for the last four or five years. Yeah, so I guess for a lot of people listening, they don't they don't know your game as well. Obviously, we're we're pretty sure you're going to be on the big tour next season, so people are going to learn the name. But what happened between, as you mentioned, from 2010 to like 2014, or even till now, you didn't have any huge wins, and then in the last like four months, you have two wins. Did anything change drastically in your game? Yeah, I wish I could. I wish I could pinpoint something. I, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, I think it's just being getting more comfortable and you know having more confidence in myself and you know believing in things a lot more than than what I was the first few years and you know just questioning things and trying to figure out well is you know is what I'm doing the right you know is my practice the right or you know I hit it this way but is that how the best players in the world hit it or you know this and that and. Uh, I think just starting to realize that yeah, yeah, this is this is how everybody that that has success plays. And that yeah, I, I was listening enough. to a I was listening to like a sports radio show the other day, and they're talking about the difference um, that you'll see in younger quarterbacks in the NFL make when they finally can like make that jump from all right, you're like a young guy, and we're going through the going through the growing pains with our young guy and um by you know like that third sometimes even second year mm-hmm. the franchises are ready to be like all right you got to start doing a, doing a little more for us or else mm-hmm. you know you're gonna have a short leash and the thing they talk about the most is the confidence that the quarterback has to gain um to really for feel sure. like he, he belongs in the game and you mentioned that that you feel like you know now you've just got this great confidence going yeah, that's I think you nailed it. It's uh, you know it's parallels from what he's saying about football over to over to really any uh, any professional sport, uh, and I guess too really even in in just the professional world in general. Uh, once you feel comfortable, once you feel like you belong, um, you know things don't things don't bother you as much. You're, you you're able to take on risks. You're able to do things that you weren't able to do before, and uh, you can live with the consequences of it. And um, but you know that more than likely you're going to succeed at what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, Reed, did you have something? Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, you, 
you kind of notice it yourself. I mean, you don't, you don't like directly notice it per se, but like you, you indirectly notice it in the sense of you, your mind starts changing over golf shots. They start changing, it, it, it changes it in a positive way where it's almost like, okay, what shot do you want me to hit? Like I'm going to hit it now and you're confident about it. Where sometimes when you first start, you know, there's a little bit, a little bit of nerves that come into play. And I wouldn't even say nerves. I'd just say just learning how to play the game of golf at this level. And, and it's such a big difference in my opinion. And, and once you learn that and you're able to kind of step up with some confidence, I think that's when you start seeing some people succeed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you on that. Yeah. I mean, in golf, it's huge because you can, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of guys who can hit the same shot over and over and over and do that really well. But golf, it seems like, you know, the course presents itself with a certain type of shot you have to hit on every hole Mm -hmm. and the confidence to be able to hit all those different shots can go a long way. Right. Right. So, yeah, and along with that, you know, it comes the mental side of the game, you know, and then, you know, learning to just be able to turn off all the bad stuff that happens and walk up to the next, next shot like nothing's ever happened. And that's – people don't realize how hard that is to do. It really is. It's very true. I mean, and that and it, it's amazing how, um, how a lot of other things in life, like, will affect that too, uh, that ability to be able to – to turn yeah. that off, you know, um, that, that week in Kansas, uh, and, and that week in Bahamas, the two Oh one, you know, it, it, you could, have, I don't know, you could have hit me in the face with a bowling ball and I just would have been like, all right, cool, let's keep going. But, you know, literally a week later you, you hit, you know, the six iron and you almost shank it and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, what the heck's going on? And blah, blah, blah. You know, and you start freaking out about stuff. And then it, it's just weird how it goes week to week, but, you know, it comes, usually it comes after that, you know, after a big exhausting week of, you know, a winning or something, or, or maybe like four or five weeks on the road. And also you start complaining about things and uh, you can't forget about those shots and, you know, just domino effect. You know, when, when people ask me about the game of golf, I, it's funny because I go back to kind of logistics, like little details of stuff. You're trying to get a little ball. I mean, it, was, it sounds stupid, but not in all reality, you're trying to get a little ball into a hole 500 yards away as quick as possible. And they've tried to expertise it over the last three or 400 years, whatever it's been. Like, dude, right. end of the day, there's so much between you, whether it be a bunker, whether it be wind, whether it be um, just getting a bad bouncer, getting hitting that old pitch mark on the green or whatever. I mean, there's a million things. And then so you can, you can execute stuff how you want to. And sometimes, like, adversity, like, it just, it just happens. I mean, you got to be able to accept mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to accept it, be able to move on and, and know that you are good enough uh, that more times than not, it's not that's not going to happen again. Exactly. Yeah, you're spot on. Talking about that kind of thing, you've, you've been grinding it for a little while now, trying to obviously make it to the tour. At any point, did you consider giving up and moving on? There's a couple times, yeah. I mean, there was a couple times that it was because of, you know, maybe the um, – the feeling of like, maybe, you know, I can't make it, um, that, you know, that was early on, that was a couple of years in or, or not having fun. Um, uh, but the most recent one was probably in the middle of last year when we had won on the, on the, um, Latin America tour, but, you know, we, we had a daughter and, uh, you know, I was, and when she was born, I was gone for seven of the first 11 weeks of her life. And we're like, you know, we can't keep doing this on this tour. 
Um, I was like, we just can't, you know, I can't keep traveling out of the country to, to do these kind of things and, and stuff. So we were like, you know, it's, we got to have some success. We got to be on the corn Ferry tour or the PGA tour. You know, we got to be traveling in the States. Like we got to figure that out. And if we're not, then it's going to be time to hang it up and find something else. And I was totally okay with it. Um, but you know, I only had four events uh, guaranteed this year on the corn Ferry, and uh, went in the second one pretty much confirmed, um, you know, some doubts that we, not doubts that we had, but it, it, uh, it solidified our, uh, our, I guess, our plans going forward. What right. was your plan? What were you going to do? I don't know. Well, it's, well, here's the funny thing. Like, I've got some friends that do medical sales. And so that's what I was like, you know, I know them really well. And it's a, it's a job that, they, you know, they could, they could get me in on pretty quick. And uh, the ironic part of that was, is we ended up doing that during the, uh, the break for the COVID stuff. Oh, yeah, Kobe Norman joined, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Col- yeah, Colby, Colby jumped in, and uh, and uh, man, we we uh, we went and toured Southeast Georgia for a couple months, and uh, I mean, as much fun as that was, and everything, golf's a lot more fun. So I, I'm I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad we're on the route we're going right now. Yes. Jared, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Jack Starrett caddying for you when you won the first event? That is correct. Yes. Uh, he is a character, dude. I love him. Yeah, yeah. So how how do you how do you know Jack? I met Jack through Colby and all of them. So Heck I know, yeah, that's awesome. He's pretty well. Like that, I know, I know Tillis, you know, fairly well throughout the years, and Heck all the yeah. guys. That was fun. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Jack was on the bag, and he was an absolute trip, man. Like I still joke, we I still joke about things that he said and the way he says it, and I mean, you know him, but. I mean, we're on 18 the last day, man. And, and the last day I'm hitting my wedge shot into the green with a two or three shot lead. And he's like, all right, well, bud, Jared, make sure you hit the ball first. Make ball first contact. <laughs> I, said, I said, did you say that, Jack? He goes, well, it's not a lie. It's true. <laughs> as stone face as he could, too. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's one of the funniest human beings I know. He is oh, and that that oh man, that week before we we had uh, gotten together with him and Colby Norman, and we were getting sushi and Exuma uh, at the Sandals, and it, it the stories that were going on and the, the the laughter, man, I hadn't laughed that hard in so long. It was those guys are great. Yeah, it's fun, man. Uh, Zach and uh, Nolan have met Colby via podcast, but never, never in person. So they know a little bit about Colby. Nice. Love Colby. I was, I was saying before this uh, how like everyone we have on seems to be in this whole circle, like that everyone knows each uh-huh. other. And I don't know if you know this. I wanted to bring it up. The first podcast guest I ever had it was when I was doing it all alone. Was the man that you beat on Sunday, Taylor Pendrith. So, Taylor, oh, he's the man. That. You he guys are like arch rivals now. Every single week, I look at the leaderboard. You guys are both up there. <laughs> man, he has been playing so good. Uh, he he just, I tell you what, I think I'm just I'm fortunate that week that that was his like eighth or tenth event in a row or whatever it was. Like he was, I think he was exhausted, but. Uh, either way, man, he's gosh, he's so good. Like I, I knew that in uh, twenty. 13 or 14 at Q school I'd heard his name and and uh, I, I you know I kind of followed him and stuff through there and then getting to play with him a few times and then I was like man this guy's good like you know it's just a matter of time and shoot what was what he second on the 
second on the points list right now without having a win. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty. I think he had four straight top three finishes at one point. So that's uh, pretty tough to Unbelievable. do. But, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he had a heck of a year in Canada too this past summer. It was just insane. Yeah, Canadians. And he, he's one of those guys, he uh, crushes the ball. He's, he's no Bryson DeChambeau yet. But uh, something people might not know, they only hear your voice. You're 6'4". So you have the mm-hmm. ability to just go full Bryson. I think you might like just consider it, maybe. Good. I mean, next time I'm on this podcast, I'm I'm not gonna be able to scratch my own head. My biceps are gonna be so big. <laughs> yeah. But, Zach is Zach is number one fan of Deschambeau. Yeah, Swole Jared will be on the pod next time. Just oh my Zach gosh. did Zach did Dude, accurately predict Bryson winning, so we'll give him that. Hey, I give you some credit on that. I wouldn't. It's our first prediction in two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, man. I can't afford to eat that, that much. It's too expensive. Uh, even with a couple wins, it's still too much. Too, it costs too much to eat that much food to gain that much weight. Did anyone see his purified water machine on Twitter he posted the other day? Is it one of those Camden ones? I don't know what it was. It was some like contraption to get like pure uh, iodized water. It's- yeah, I guess. It's a Kangen water machine. Yeah. To put it like you an asshole. But. If you purify water, it like takes a lot of the good nutrients they, out of it. They 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 uh they change the pH on it or something. Like I guess when we watch fast wash vegetables, like more shit comes off. I don't know. It's I don't know, man. Give me a good hose water. That's what I grew up on as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it turned out all right. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So uh, another thing, which is, it's very cool because we obviously, we started talking to you. I actually started talking to you before you even won the first time. So really from the back, he's doing great with these bumps and you've won twice now. You're going to be a PGA tour player. How crazy is it to just like imagine you're like one of the 150 best golfers in the world? Crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. They, you know, for one, I really, didn't think of the magnitude of winning that second of event. Um, I really just wanted to get Tillis. Like, I, I wanted the, Tillis and I to get a win together. Um, I mean, we'd been together for a while and, the, and stuff, and uh, we hadn't gotten a win. And uh, everything kind of sunk in after that, you know. And it, 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 the first win that night, the night of the first win, I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking about I even went so far down the rabbit hole to think that, oh, my last name's Wolf, W-O. Tiger Woods, W-O-O, our lockers are going to be right next to each other every single week. This is amazing. And, you know, like, I mean, I went way down. So uh, I never slept, but well, this time it, it didn't hit me until like day two or three. And then I, I couldn't sleep a little, you know, I, I kept waking up and thinking about some stuff. Is, is that I mean, how it, it works? It just wasn't, I mean, it's something I've been working on. Is that how it works for the lockers? Will you actually That's how it's worked before. Tiger? Yeah, it's, it's all alphabetized. Wow. This yeah. Is like, this is BMW not- Pro-Am. I, I was right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the BMW Pro-Am. I was, uh, I was next to Gretzky. Uh, I, I don't know there. how or why, but I guess they went by his first name instead of his last name. Uh, uh, no, they Wayne. went by. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's an odd one to go by, too. No one calls him Wayne. That was an odd one, but yeah. Wow, you're yeah. just lucky. I really, really Gretzky. 
I was uh, I was locker neighbors next to uh, Bones at the uh, at um, the BMW in Chicago this year. We we, we don't we don't normally get uh, lockers and we come in and Bones was Jim McKay who worked for uh, Nicholson for years. was next to us. It was, was kind of cool, man. It's like he looked, it all sinks in. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. So which, oh, for uh, sure, yeah. Of all the events on the PGA Tour, which one do you uh, look forward to the most? Oh, man, that's a good question. There's so many. I mean, there's so many good ones that, I mean, they're all good. But, I mean, well, shoot, I don't know. He hasn't started quite thinking about it yet. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've always wanted to get into Sanderson Farms because they give you, like, a green egg. Yeah, like getting in just as a tea gift. So, like, I mean, of course, I want to get in that. Um, Wasn't expecting that. It's the go-to. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know. As far as the tournament experience and everything, I mean, I don't know. I figure those ones out in California got to be pretty cool. The John Deere uh, Classic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it gives me the start that it gave speed, I'll take it. Like the Puerto Rico Open. Puerto Rico Open. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I I, I think you know it'd be. It'll be cool to uh, it'll be cool to to play in, you know, play in the Honda. It'll be cool to play in uh, shoot. I mean, obviously, if I if, I, if we get into the TPC, I think if we get the Battlefield promotion. I think we get into the players. I may be wrong on that, but it is like can, beyond confusing. It's so confusing, and it changes all the time. So I just ask like Reed. I don't really know. <laughs> I ask Reed and hope he knows who's in what. <laughs> It's, it's it's so hard, especially with all the new rules because of COVID, like how they had to restructure stuff. Yeah. Now it's like kind of deciding. I don't. It's it's so confusing, man. Mm-hmm. So I just but like typically, normally there's certain categories and just they fall into them. You can't double dip a category, obviously. So um, right. yeah, it's it's. I don't, I don't know where Battlefield falls, but it may be. You may get into the players. I mean, you might be right there. You might be able to, do you, Matt. If you do, if you battlefield, do you get into the players? Um, I, I think, think so. The only way you get in the players is if you. We're settling this right now. We're if, getting all the, the information. Who are we asking? Matt Atkins. Matt Atkins. Love the guy. Gotcha. Battlefield may not get you in. All right. Unless you battlefield like before the players. Unless you battlefield before the players, maybe. Might be fine. All right. Well, we're just gonna battlefield and then win the first one, and then that'll do it, right? Yeah, yeah Matt said that'll work. So. Winning usually works. <laughs> Whatever uh, happens, we'll see you at Sawgrass. Exactly. Either way, right? Uh, but no, that that'll be cool. I, I I think the players just because too. I mean, that's where I'm living. Um, you know, bar. I know it sounds weird, but the barber saw because it's in it's near my home in Louisville. Uh, they're in Lexington, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously WGCs. I think that'd be awesome. Like, I think those those would be a freaking blast. Also, I feel like we're really just overlooking the fact that you just casually asked whether or not you're in the players. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, well, I was thinking like, if you win the third third event, like, do you, do you get in? Yeah, it changes things, man. That's yeah, for sure. It does. I mean, yeah, that was Matt Atkins walking by. He's that, that's who we're staying with this week. On the road. Who do you typically stay with, Jared? Do you stay with the same people every week? 
Uh, here and there, yeah. We, we get some different guys. This is actually Matt and I's first week that we've stayed together. Um, but uh, I usually stay with oh, let's see, Chandler, Chandler Blanchett or Blanchet, excuse me. Uh, don't want to mess up his last name. And uh, uh, Shad Tootin a few times. A few guys, just some good dudes that I that I've known for years and uh, traveled, played a lot of Latin tour events with as well and stuff. And guys that I can get along with or easygoing and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I want to ask. I actually wanted to ask Reed this because I feel like we we haven't talked about it much. Reed on how when you were with Hubs the first time you guys won on the Corn Ferry Tour, that's how you got up. How many strokes did you guys win by? I believe it was two. two. I think it was. Like I, I guess I want to know from both you guys, what's it like walking up the fairway or to the green? I know Jared, you won by one over Taylor. Like. What's the pressure like? Were you thinking about it? Or were you just trying to get it in as as, as few shots as possible? Uh, yeah. So well, so that one, yeah, in Kansas, I was yeah, I was one, I was one up. Um, but uh, he had hit before me, and hit it left uh, where I knew some trees were. But he hits it so freaking far that he he was past all the trees and, and just in the rough, and he was fine. But anyway, I hit mine down the middle of the fairway, so I was like, you know we have an easy wedge out of this fairway, uh, Zoysia fairway. So it's almost like cheating. The ball's going to be teed up. I can hit a perfect shot in there and we'll get out of here. Um, and, uh, I went first and left it 20 yards short, even though I thought I hit a perfect shot. The wind was everywhere. So I, I could, we just completely misjudged the, the wind and, uh, and Taylor hits it to like 18 feet. So now I'm starting to get a little, little nervous that, you know, he, he's going to make his and I gotta, you know, I'm going to get this up and down and we're gonna go to a playoff, but, he ended up missing his chip and, and everything. So that was, that was pretty wild. But the Bahamas was a completely different story. Um, so I had like a three-shot lead or something, or four-shot lead going into that last hole. And uh, Jack wouldn't let me – Jack Starrett wouldn't let me pull a fairway wood out or a driver out. It was just par five, wide open. Could hit it pretty much anywhere except for 30 yards right. And uh, he's like, nope, nope. You grab a head cover, I'm going to snap it, whatever you <laughs> – so he gave me a two-iron, and we just three-shotted our way up to the green. and. Uh, uh, made birdie that way, and and did it. so it's two different feelings, but but both. Is that something I notice that on the PJ Tour all the time, and it drives me nuts when they hit mm -hmm. driver when they have like a three shot lead. <laughs> like uh, I like you guys need a driver all the time. Like you don't want to give up a shot. Even you know, I, the thing about the driver is is you can just go a hundred percent of the driver. Like you know, you know what it does. Like you can go a hundred percent. But if you have an iron or a three wood, sometimes you start getting timid swings and start playing it a little too conservative and then you know the next thing you know you've hit a terrible shot and now you're kind of freaking out because you're 220 yards out instead of 160 and um, that kind of thing but I'll tell you I, so another cool uh, name drop story not trying to be cool but uh, I will name drop the <laughs> uh, in Chile um, I had a two shot two shot lead going in the last hole and uh, or one shot yeah whatever it was and and it was a par five that you could hit driver to avoid water if you went way right. But if you went straight, you go in the water. Anyway, get done with it, end up winning, hit driver, made birdie. Next week, Angel Cabrera is in my group. First time I ever met him. And he said, he says, why did you hit driver? You had two shot lead. He said, that's so stupid. I said, well, I won. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, one day I'm going to need to hit driver and make a birdie to win. I said, so why not try it now? So I don't know that's if that answered your cool. question. But that's a funny there's, story. A, 
Good to that, at least. I mean, you're getting some practice under pressure, maybe for a circumstance where you need Brady to win. Yeah, so, Reed, you guys won by two. I guess then I'm assuming you hit driver because you could still fuck up. Yeah, we won by two, but I think, if, if I recall right, I think we missed, like, a three-footer for par on 17. So, I think we had three shot, three shot lead with two to play. If, if, uh, if Hubbard's leading by three, 18th hole, are you letting him take out driver? We're hitting it to the fattest part of the fairway, within reason. Pitching wedge. Pitching wedge all the way. <laughs> seven iron. Seven iron, seven iron, seven iron. Yeah. That's why I play normal courses when I get frustrated. <laughs> Reed, where did y'all win at? Which event? Uh, Sarasota when it first came out. The Lecom. What, what's that golf course? What's that course called? I don't even remember. Uh, Lake Ridge or? Lake, Lake, Lakewood. 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 Lakewood National. That's what it was, yeah. Oh, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that was that was still that was driver, wasn't it? On eighteen, yeah, we had driver. On maybe three would. Yeah, no, we had, I think maybe definitely a driver. It yeah. might have been yeah. Yeah, yeah. OT driver because I think the wind was into us. That that hole's pretty yeah. deep. It can play long with some wind in yeah. Straight in, yeah. It's like driver six iron. Yeah. But to to everybody listening, to be to be fair, Lakewood National is a beautiful golf course and it's amazing. But it is not the most demanding mm-hmm. off the tee. It is it is a very forgiving off yeah. the tee golf. And hit course. it twenty yards offline, most holes and be just fine. It's a great course to have a couple shot lead going to the last few holes. Yeah, it is great. Uh, before before we continue, I know we have a couple of things to go over. Reed, I know. Uh, you're lucky to have a sponsor on tour this year, and uh, we like to give them a shout-out halfway through each pod. So I'll leave you the floor. Yeah, uh, as always, thank you to um, the guys who uh, help me out day in and day out out there. Um, that goes to you guys uh, from the Back to Tees podcast, always wearing and representing them as well as Surf and Surf Golf. Uh, surf and Turf Golf, I also have a um, promo code for anyone that wants to go check out their website, surfandturfgolf.com. If you go to the uh, shopping cart and get the discount code readmartin15, R-E-I-D Martin15, uh, you'll get 15% off of whatever purchase you want to make. And that is not a, just not a one-time code. You can use that uh, over and over. Uh, and then to uh, Chris Aurelia for, with Forma Cars in um, Columbus, Ohio. Um, Fortunate enough to partner with them. They create some uh, very nice concept design cars, back to some old Shelbys and GTs and whatnot. And, uh, TD Design for supplying the clothing and shirts. It's always a thank you to them. Check them out. He uh, puts together any design you want. All right. And uh, I know also we mentioned it last time on the pod, Jared. I know you have a foundation you're fond of. I know you didn't even mention anything, but I like to always support our guests. I know on your Twitter, people could find you at Jared Wolf Pro. It's Wolf with an E at the end, though. That's it. Wolf with an E, not not the other Wolf. With You've got to get verified, too. I don't know who you need to talk to in the head offices. but Yeah, no. You definitely have someone you can talk to. But... These are like... Big... Uh, I couldn't, it it kind of cut out. I couldn't hear you. Oh, I said there's definitely someone you could talk to to get verified. So you're going to have to get on that. We'll have to, we'll have to get on that for sure. And then, um, uh, yeah, you could check it out. It's, I think it's, it's birdiebacker.com slash your name. Mm-hmm. 
I believe so. I believe that's, that's the website. There's that. Um, we started originally um, to help fund taking the wife and, and daughter on the road with us, but uh, we're transitioning that into um, more of uh, taking those funds to different charities and different organizations or um, some different type things like cancer, uh, different charity drives, things like that. Yeah, I should have specified that. Now you're too big time. So uh, we're just saying that the that we think the money can go to somewhere that that is uh, at this point in time is more needed. Exactly. I have a I have a couple questions for you from Twitter. So All right. One question Wait for me. I'm pretty sure someone in your family follows us on Twitter, and just who's the Wolf's AK Wolf? Is that like your father? Oh, that's, that is my parents. That is my parents. That, right. is, that is Alan and Kathy Wolf. They're joint Twitter and Instagram accounts. Shout out Alan and Kathy. So that's it. This is, this is the quality parents that you got. Someone responded to a tweet asking us to ask you what your caddy depth chart looks like. <laughs> people would find this on Twitter. It's the greatest response I've seen. Your father and mother wrote, not sure who it is after me on the list. And then it's a picture of you two. So he just completely alpha this guy. Yep. <laughs> I know that field. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I think that was in Louisiana, too. That picture of us was in Louisiana. My dad caddied for me. But the, oh, uh, man. The best, that's funny. The best response question we got was, uh, what's your pre-tournament ritual or pre-round rituals? You know, I, afternoon rounds i like to go to the gym in the morning get a get a little workout in but uh we'll just kind of fast forward to about an hour and a half before i like to get some sort of food going um whatever maybe breakfast uh is, is usually something pretty easy lunch it's kind of what kind of whatever they have at player dining unless it's fried chicken or catfish then i don't go for that it's a little too heavy before the day out on the golf course um but we let's see um I start with putting about an hour before we play. I start out with putting, do that for about 10 minutes. Uh, really work on my line, like alignment and hitting the ball in the middle of the face, uh, which I know sounds dumb, but it's very important in putting. I just realized that the last few years that you should probably hit the putter off the middle of the face. Uh, um, and <laughs> then we go to some chipping, do some short game work, kind of get the feel for the, for the day on how the greens react and then uh, go hit some balls, uh, go through the bag, uh, I kind of adopted Tiger's thing where he goes gap wedge, eight iron, four iron, um, three wood driver, um, that kind of thing. And uh, hit a few with each one of those and always have an alignment rod down, kind of make sure we're, we're, we're setting up correctly. Aiming, that's a big thing for me on the course that usually throws me out of whack. And then, uh, and then we'll sign out before the, before the tournaments or before the round starts with the, a few four or five footers to make those and then go ahead to the first tee. You mentioned alignment like twice, once in putting mm -hmm. and then once while you're doing your, your full go through um, on the range. I can't um, tell you how many times like people just forget about alignment and it's, it's such an easy thing and it can get out of whack. But if any of you guys are listening, you guys or gals are out there listening and just check your alignment every once in a while and you'll probably save yourself a couple strokes. At least people, people don't realize how much changing your alignment changes your golf swing. Yeah, yep. that's spot on. Absolutely.
Um, but hey, Jared, I want to ask you, as, as I mentioned, I know Ter uh, Tillis fairly well, pretty well. Uh, mm -hmm. I love the guy and I've, I think now the world of him. Do you guys have like a, do you guys go through the same pre-round routine every single, um, every single week? I mean, does it go down to as far as grabbing two bananas or is it just like kind of basic, you know, we're going to the, you know, putt and then hit the range mm -hmm. and back to the putting game before we head to the tee or whatever? How does it work for you guys? Uh, for us, we, we kind of, we kind of have a general, the idea is that, you know, like I said, putting, chipping, full swing, back to putting. Um, we don't get too technical on, you know, this needs to be done exactly this way. Or, I mean, sometimes I bring out um, the putt out, my little training aid. Sometimes I don't, um, you know, some, sometimes we, uh, you know, putt for, five minutes sometimes it's 10 minutes uh you know things like I, i'm not the way my personality works is if i get too structured and then things get out of whack like i can't go and chip for you know five minutes then you know oh all of a sudden like I, I, my anxiety starts to rise i start to feel more you know rushed and everything else so if, if i come if i approach it as a little more laid back like this week in savannah the chipping greens on the other side of the driving range the of the the 10th tee so um you know like I, I had to go so i decided to go do chipping you know first and then come back and do putting hit balls and then putting again so like so it doesn't freak me out when i re change up that routine a little bit but uh, you know some structure there is nice right um, well no. i mean i guess i guess you know where i was going with that was it's it's funny because each person as their different routine, whether it be in a practice round before the golf tournament or their uh, you know pre 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 round warm up, like it's and I think to those listening and you're even if you're playing amateur golf, like adopt a okay, I need to be at the golf course 55 minutes before I tee off and stick to a kind of a structure. Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people, especially amateurs, warming warming up for tournaments or getting ready for tournaments, they kind of just do it as it flows and then they don't really. Do things with a purpose, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to reiterate that, that there is each time I do those things where I go to the putting green, go to the chipping green, go to the driving, like though, there is an intent there. Right. Um, you know, it, it, and I think that's where, like you said, the amateur doesn't, they just throw down a couple of balls. Oh, I made a first five footer. I'm done. I got to save them. Or I don't want to waste all my good shots on the range, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, you're definitely right. Spot on with that. Do you ever feel like you want to miss the five footers when you're practicing? Because then you save them all for when you're out. Heck there. no. Heck <laughs> no. I want to see every single one of those things go in the hole. I see. Uh -uh. That's why you're good at golf and I'm not. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love it. I love the feeling of that ball hitting the middle of the putter and, and, go, and doing exactly what I want it to do. That's, that's become one of my new favorites. What's in the bag for you, Jared? What do you – Let's see. We got the Strixon ZX7 driver. Um, we've got an M4 three wood. I'm looking at my bag right now over there. Uh, M4 <laughs> three wood. Um, number seven stroke lab with an O works face from Odyssey. Um, did not use that in the Bahamas. Been using that here recently though. And I really love it. Um, Strixon Z forged wedge or uh, Z forged irons. Um, the three or the two iron and the four iron or the utility, the U85s or U65s, and then uh, the zip core wedges. Um, 
are in the bag and a TD shout out to TD design as well. I uh, got that towel on there. Thanks to Tillis. Yeah. Tommy and uh, Tillis partner up as well. Yeah. Yeah. He sends him all kinds of stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, Reed, I know you also had a good question. You messaged me, but you didn't ask it maybe for, I know, uh, was we wanted to ask you how you typically attack a golf course. I, uh, I, I've started to realize in the last couple of years I got, that I make enough birdies regardless of how I play the golf course. I just have to really figure out how to not make doubles and triples. Like mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing for me. If I can avoid, if I can avoid, um, you know, maybe, you know, obviously no doubles or triples would be fantastic. But if I can get my average of three to you know three bogeys around down to two, or two and a half, like that's, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a career versus a basically a hobby for us. Like that, that's just that's going from missing cuts or making cuts and finishing fiftieth to um, your your bad weeks being twenty fifth, and then your good weeks you're in contention. And and I think that's so. I've been I've been really looking at if I'm comfortable with the shot, if I'm comfortable with the number then we're going to play it, you know, uh, not pin seeking all the time, but, you know, we're going to play it aggressive and we're going to play, you know, smart. But if I'm uncomfortable or the lie's not great or something like that, I'm not going to risk it unless it's a, unless it makes sense, you know, unless we have to, we have to, you know, make birdie here to make the cut. Or if we want to catch the leader here on this last hole, we got to make Eagle or something like that. But I um, mean, even this past week, uh, I look, there's a couple shots I look back at, and I thought, you know, I wasn't comfortable. Um, the lie, you know, the lie wasn't great. The number wasn't great. And I made a bogey out of it. If I had laid up or did something different with it, could have made a par, could have made a birdie. And then, you know, all of a sudden that 28th moves to 17th. And now you've, you know, you've made X amount more dollars and more, more points. And you do that over a season and all that adds up. So that's kind of how I've been looking at golf courses here uh, more recently. Yeah, and you, you said you're a birdie maker. Like, this might be a stupid question, but what makes some golfers, even like top guys, you see like Spieth now, they're not really like birdie makers. They're more like they grind out the tough courses. What makes you someone that could just birdie a ton on any course? Yeah, I, I think Reed can attest to this too because Hubs can go on, on some pretty big runs uh, with birdies. But it, it's it's about being like being smart, aggressive, and 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 putting yourself in really good positions. If, if you can just think of it this way, if you can birdie two to three of the par fives and you can birdie two par fours, now you've, now you're averaging five birdies around and that's top of, that's beyond top of the line for the PGA tour, right? Like I think the PGA tour is like four point something. You're, you're spot on there. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, and when you, when you put it that way, you're like, well, I mean, yeah, I can bury par fives. Like that's, you know, I, I more than likely can do that. Um, you know, and play the par threes, even par, play the par fours, you know, at, at one or two under and then play the par fives at two or three. And now you, now you're shooting 67, you know, 66 right. when you go out to play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that you're not aggressive when you lay up on a par five, like mm -hmm. you just, may think that that pin is easier to make a birdie with with wedge than going at the green like exactly not not being aggressive you're being aggressive in your own sense and i can attack that pin from this angle on this spot you know and if you throw somewhere up in the green you might have to chip it over a good pitch might be 10 feet or 12 feet or 15 feet or whatever and so exactly. you know that's where i think 
you have to be disciplined and, and you know, when, when things are going your way and you make a couple 20 footers and you knock a couple stiff and you, and you're hitting the ball well, and you know, that's when you can go shoot six, seven, eight, nine under par. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you made a good point on the laying up, and I feel like a lot of people listening could be like me. I mean, well, through meeting so many players and that, I've obviously caught on. I feel like when we watch, we always just assume you should go for it in two on the par five because the closer you are to the hole, even if you're in the rough 50 feet away, it's better than being 100 yards in the middle of the fairway. I think what people don't realize is you guys are so good and like accurate from a certain distance that you might actually think you could hit it closer from 100 yards away than from 50 feet away. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jared, I got a curious question for you. I kind of piggybacks on that. Mm-hmm. How how big of a difference, like if if you are, if you're talking, we'll say 106 or 108, is that big big difference to you, or is 106 and 110? Like where 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 is your uh, margin of error idea? Like not margin of error. Where where are you trying uh, to go? Mine with wedges. Mine's about five yards. So 106 to 108 to me is, is going to be pretty similar um, yeah. depending on the shot. But like if it's 108, I'll, I'll tend to go for more like the 110 shot. If it's a 106, I'll go for like the 105. Right. I, yeah, I can't. Um, I, I joke about it when, you know, like when Tils will tell me or, or somebody else will, will joke with me and be like, all right, you got like 107, you know, to this or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know how to hit a 107. I was like, we're going to hit a 110 and see if it spins back. Or, or like, we're going to play, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I was like, I've got a low 100-yard 100, 100 shot. Maybe it'll bounce and skip to 105, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, though. I mean, if, if you know how a shot's you know, going to release or what I mean, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you know how you do it. Exactly. That's name of the game. What's mm-hmm. it like for you guys, Reed? Because I know, like, there's a story with Justin Thomas wanting to know within the yard how far every shot is? Um, I think it depends on the type of shot. Um, you know, if you got wind hammering you in the face, the numbers aren't going to be as precise just because it's so gusty per se. And so you got a 165 shot or whatever and wind's in your face and you're thinking 180 to 185 just to throw something. Like when it's blowing that hard, it's so tough to hit it to three, four, five, six feet. So it just depends on the condition. But if we've got you know, wedge and stuff. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I would say three or three or four yards, you know, is, is it 116 or 120 or, you know, it's kind of basically the five yard increment. And that's why I was just kind of curious because, you know, you, you hear some guys out there, you know, they, was it 116 or 118 or is it 116 or 114? But it's just how everyone's mind thinks and everyone's different and everyone does it a different way and there's nothing wrong with, that's why everyone is this good because they know how to do it their way. I think uh, Greg Norman's caddy did that, did something to him, one event. He, he kept giving him, like, it was 125 or 140, 195. Like, he said, man, I, I keep keep having these ending in five and ending in zero shots. He's like, is that just coincidence? The guy's like, you're just not good enough to hit it 196. He's like, I'm not going to tell you 196. I'm going to tell you 195. So right. that's, that's your shot. That's your number. That's where you hit it. He's like, I'm not going to tell you a number you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably make the golfer feel a little more comfortable over the shot if they're like round numbers too. It's true. (laughs) I like a range. I like the range, you know, of like, okay, you got 110 to cover the slope. You got 122 to the the back edge pins at 118. Right. Like then, you know, 
Exactly. Then I'm like, okay, now I know my range. I can hit something low that goes in at 112, or I can hit something high that goes in at 120, you know, like and spin it back or bounce it up. Like that way, and then my brain can start to figure out what kind of shot I can hit. So that, and that to me, I'm, I'm the same way when I, we kind of talk about stuff, but it's all about creating a picture in your head so you kind of visualize mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I had uh, one other question from someone who uh, DM'd to ask you. This could also be for Reed, because I'm sure you know for Mark. I, I used to play tennis growing up competitively, and I knew like top professional tennis players don't really play so much tennis outside of their matches. They spend a lot more time training in the weight room and like mental game, but obviously it's very different for golf. So, like, how much time in a week do you spend actually practicing? Mm. well um, uh, go ahead Reed. jump on jump on tell them out tell them what you see out there on the big tour are you talking like sitting on the range yeah uh, like on the range working what am I going to play nine holes is that practicing yeah that's I guess both of them both of them I, mean, I think it I think it depends on where you're at like um, obviously if you're grinding like and you're and you're trying to you're really working on something and trying to change something like it's gonna need more reps but I think it's also something where if you're hitting it good and you're feeling good like you don't want to overdo it you just want to kind of let it be and let that feeling sit in your system um, but I would say you know we're out there de- you know, definitely every day uh, I would say we definitely uh, mark definitely is not one that overdoes it um, you know, he's pretty relaxed when it comes to that, but Jerry, what about you? Uh, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, when, I mean, if I'm at home, you know, in an off week, it's a little different. I'll, I'll practice for, you know, uh, four hours or so, something like that. But competition week, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not out there very much doing, doing much to work. Um, especially after the round, I, I'm already as tired as I am just trying to get through the 18 holes. But, uh, but I think, I think to the question, um, when we're not competing, what are we doing? I, I would say, um, like this past week and what, uh, the week off before Wichita or two weeks ago before Wichita, um, I came home. I think the most I practiced was two hours in one day. Uh, I went to the gym. I did the other stuff, but uh, I think I think when you know that like your game's in a good spot, you don't go wear it out. Like you, you don't you don't work yourself into a bad habit. Um, I think David Duvall had a uh, had a story once where he, he was in the back range hitting a TPC and he hit like you know I don't know maybe twenty shots or something and then went fishing in one of the ponds and this is when he was number one in the world and he's like he's like I'm hitting it good and he's like why do I need to keep hitting balls he's like I know how to hit I know how to hit it you know yeah I mean if everyone has to figure out what's what's good for them and in certain situations that's part of getting better as well I mean that's all mm-hmm. part of it. So it's a, it's, that's a little piece of the pie and there's a hundred slices of the pie. And once you start compiling 60, 70, 80 of them, when we start getting really good, and I think you, you can attest to that as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, like I said, on the other spectrum, you got like VJ who, who hits balls every day and it's hits, you know, for hours and hours and hours. And that's what makes him comfortable. Like it's right. about what makes, you know, what makes you feel like you're at your best to compete. And I will say, I know one one thing I, I was shocked at, and, and you can, um, you know, confirm this for me if it's true. But some of the best players in the world, especially when they're playing well, but some of the best players in the world do not spend much time at the golf course when they're done. 
with their rounds, do they? They don't. You don't mm-hmm. see them there hardly at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, I yeah. I can say in our in our experience over the last over the last year, we've probably spent maybe four hours total at the golf course after the rounds working mm-hmm. on stuff, you know? Um, and that's, it's, it's because you got to know how to control your, like, if you need to go hit 50 balls, go hit 50 balls, but don't sit, hit, hit, sit there and hit 300 and overdo it. You right. know, go do it with an intent of something that needs to be worked on. And then when you warm up the next morning, you can warm up. And in your warm up, you can maybe hit five or 10 working on that and it slowly gets better. But exactly. I think it's somewhere you you were spot on where a lot of the guys aren't, aren't there because they've hit so many balls in their life. They know how to fix it. It's just got to be kind of tweaked. You know what I mean? And they don't want to play so much golf over the quarter, over the year that you only have so many golf shots in you, man. You got to rest your body. Exactly. Exactly. Before we get uh, finished off here, uh, I just, uh, we know you're in Orlando Eastern time, so we got to hang it up shortly. <laughs> What's the rest of the season looking like for you? Uh, we've got this week, uh, you know, barring uh, another win. Uh, this will be it for me on the Corn Ferry stuff for this season. Uh, we're done until uh, what we think will be probably the couple, first couple of weeks of January. They haven't released a schedule to us yet. Um, but uh, obviously, on the other hand, if this week goes really well, then um, I guess I'll be uh, at the Houston Open and um, – uh, what else is there? Read uh, to RSM and yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it gets you in Mexico. Or, or Mexico, yeah, yeah. Read that one. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to keep playing some more golf the rest of this year, um, but we'll see. I'll, and if I don't, then uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, kind of living a normal life for a little bit at home and and having breakfast with the wife and uh, daughter and. And like having spending some time with them, going to do some things not golf related, for sure. And uh, Reed, we know you got a you got a special fact. We got uh, some big fans who wait for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, week is special because we're in Vegas, and so I just I was reading a bunch of stuff on Vegas, and I just started writing down facts, and you guys will love them. Does anyone know what Las Vegas actually means? No. Anyone? It's Las Vegas means the meadow. Ah, the meadow, dude. Isn't the it meadow. like <laughs> desert? Exactly. <laughs> uh, in 2018, how many hotels uh, was Las Vegas home to? Give me a guess. You got the closest wins. No one. You first. Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Thousand or what? What? Uh, Eighty-five hundred, I guess. Yeah, you oh, maybe lady. Wow. I'm going with two hundred. Yeah, those are in Vegas. Is what you're trying to come up with? Hotels. Yes. Jared's on you. I mean, four hundred and forty-two. hundred eight thousand hundred ninety-six hotels are located in Las Vegas. Come on. What? Hotels or hotel rooms? Hotel? <laughs> no way there's 148,000 hotels in Las Vegas. Hey, it might, it may, maybe it is rooms. But it will, what would that be? That'd be like 48,000 hotels. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just going off Wikipedia, man. 
<laughs> like they're stacked on top of each other. That's hey, why. A couple, a couple more, a couple more interesting ones. So I don't keep you guys too long. I found these rather interesting. How much does the average person bring to gamble in Vegas? Ooh, Three thousand. Five hundred and forty-one bucks. Wow. I was gonna say a thousand. Dang it. Uh, how much is an acre worth on the strip right now? That's a good question. Three mil. Eleven million dollars. Come on. <laughs> and in Las Vegas, they have an average of three hundred and fifteen weddings a day. A day. A day. How many come back the next day? To check <laughs> <laughs> on I would, that. I would say like a quarter. As you could yeah. tell, Vegas is Reed's favorite stop. <laughs> oh my god! If I said I haven't played the wheel. <laughs> hey, Viva the Meadow, man. Viva, Viva the, the meadow. meadow. Viva the Meadow. And before Nolan leave us with a Tiger fun fact, because as my university teacher once taught me, no one cares about golf except for Tiger Woods. <laughs> That's the truth, ain't it? Um, I saw a little something come across my timeline about how Rory's won like the most uh, European events over the last ten years or so. Um, and he really doesn't even play that many compared to guys who are like full-time European players. So pretty, pretty remarkable there. But another remarkable feat by the GOAT himself, Tugger Woods. He is third time – sorry, he is third overall all-time in European Tour wins with wow. with 41 wins, and he's never even played a full season on the European Tour. Was it like WGC? Well, in the – British Open, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. He used to play. He used to play a couple. Of... Yeah. Interesting. Wow. And wow. future locker mate of Jared's. That's right. That could be his number one fun fact next. It's <laughs> oh, so true, though. <laughs> All right. All right. So, uh, thanks so much, Jared, for coming on. It was it was an awesome uh, time with you. We can't wait to have you back on and. When I'm able to cross the border, go to golf events, and come back without having to quarantine, I'll for sure catch you at an event. Heck yeah, man. Come on down. Zach, thanks, man. No, I appreciate it. Reed, best of luck in the loss of meadows. Lost. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Good night. <laughs>